Tomorrow night at 7, Friday night at 7, and uh, then we conclude on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock if you don't have another church that you're a part of. Uh, it's just a tremendous uh, joy to um, have with us just some special guests this week, and uh, I want Jasper Taylor, if you'd stand please, Jasper, and he'll be leading us in worship and chapels and uh, the next two evening services. Thanks, Jasper. And... Uh, a friend from a few years back, but he's a lot younger than I am. So, Jasper, it's great to have you here from the greater Chicago area. And uh, the Lord's using him in some tremendous ways at the church that he serves and the campus that he serves as well. So we want you to know that you're among friends here and sisters and brothers in Christ. Jasper, we're so glad you're here. And then just a moment, uh, Dr. James Deal will be with us. How many of you have heard him speak somewhere in the world, the 105 countries that he's been in? And uh, many of you have not heard him. And what a tremendous communicator of the powerful truth of the Word of God. And the Lord broke in on us this morning in our chapel service. It was just wonderful, uh, Dr. Deal, uh, how the Holy Spirit just guided that. And we know that as you speak this week, that the Holy Spirit will be in you and lifted up high. And uh, Dr. Deal uh, traveled most recently... Uh, for 18, 19 years uh, for the International Church of the Nazarene as one of our six general superintendents and so literally has been around the world a number of times. If you want to see someone with frequent flyer miles, this is the guy to talk to. He can give you the best uh, TripAdvisor reviews <laughs> there ever are. But he has been doing that so that Christ can be lifted up around the world. And uh, then most recently, in fact yesterday, uh, last night he finished up a seven-month interim as interim president at Mid-America Nazarene uh, uh, College that's out in Olathe, Kansas area. And so uh, thank you for being here on such short notice. And uh, basically, uh, you were out of work yesterday. We put you right back to work today. <laughs> Isn't that great? And uh, so we're so glad that you're here. Thank you again, Gospel Choir. And as we gather each night, would you be in prayer for these services? And uh, if you're not a part of this college campus and you'd like to attend the uh, chapel service on Friday morning at uh, 1025, you're welcome to do that as well. So let's give a warm welcome. Have we done that for Jasper now, Dr. Dio? Why don't you come and bring the message of truth to us tonight? Lord bless you. Get turned on here. Good. Well, thank you very much to uh, Pastor Kevin and Thank you to the gospel choir. My, my, my. That There were 50 up here, and I didn't get to count all who were behind. I couldn't count that many. I mean, couldn't count through the crowd. So uh, probably, uh, I, I can count above 51, but uh, uh, probably 60 young wives up here tonight ministering for Christ. And as you were watching their faces and their expressions, boy, this is encouraging to me. I tell you, in a world where uh, everything seems to be going crazy, there are young people who still love Jesus and want to lift him higher. Aren't you thankful for that? And I rejoice. Uh, may it continue. <clears throat> Well, thank you again for uh, the invitation to come. And let me just uh, start tonight by, if you'll go with me, uh, halfway around the world where we'll start, we'll end up right back here. But uh, I grew up in a uh, Nazarene church in Iowa, in Des Moines, Iowa. I guess I'll get halfway around the world in just a second. Uh, that's not quite halfway there. But uh, First Nazarene Church in uh, Des Moines, 12th and Forest. And my dad is not a pastor. My dad is a, was a, a layman, um, the foreman of a salad dressing manufacturing company called Mrs. Clark's Foods. 
and they did. He made all the salads and the dressings and all this for all over the great state of Iowa. But his real life was the church, uh, where he's a Sunday school teacher, the treasurer, and on and on and on. Mom did a whole bunch of other stuff uh, in the church. So uh, we had a solid rock uh, uh, home, Christian home. But I, I'm not sure if it's because Des Moines is about three and a half hours north of Kansas City or if it's because it's the crossroads of the great state of Iowa or whatever reason. But we had missionaries coming through our church often, often. Maybe it's because it was just kind of the way to other places and they would stop in Des Moines, whatever the case. I heard missionaries as a little kid and as a teenager... I heard them from everywhere, but they all seem to have come from Swaziland. And Swaziland, man, Swaziland, Africa. I got to thinking, if you're going to be a missionary to Japan, you've got to go to Swaziland first, and then you go there. Uh, you know, it just seemed like everybody talked about Swaziland and smells and bomb. Now, young people, uh, I don't know if you're part of the Church of the Nazarene or not. If not, you're welcome. I hope you will be. But you uh, <laughs> you don't have to spell smells and ball to get to heaven, but you've got to be able to say it. <laughs> smells and ball to Nazarenes. It would be like George Washington to Americans. And uh, boy, the smells and ball story and how they went to Africa over a hundred years ago. And in that in that old rugged cart or, or uh, whatever it was, I think pulled by horses or whatever, and over some hill or hills, and I saw the fire of a hundred camps going up into the sky and saw down across the valley, and that's the way they tell those stories. Man, I say, oh, brother, Swaziland, smells and ball. That, that, that's kind of um, all romantic to we Nazarenes, but I had never been there. Then I was elected general superintendent, and as was mentioned, a part big part of our responsibility is head to the regions of the world. And so the first region was uh, two years back and forth to the Caribbean. And then the next two years was uh, back and forth to South America, back and forth. And the next two years, back and forth to Asia Pacific, and all of the countries of Asia, all the way from China down to Australia. I've never been to Swaziland because it's not in any of those areas. Finally, I was able to uh, see on the agenda Africa. The day came when I was in a little single-engine plane, and the plane uh, skidded right there, hit the uh, pavement, and then came to a stop in Manzini, Swaziland. And I said, now I can go to heaven. I've been to Swaziland. I haven't been out of the plane yet, but anyway, I think maybe this stamps my ticket, you know. And so I got out, and of course the people were there to meet us. And uh, some of you, you, you know this. Others of you, you uh, hear, hearing it for the first time. But uh, we uh, went into Manzini, and there is a, a very impressive hospital. And I had my camera with me, and here taking pictures of RFM. Uh, Raleigh Fitkin Memorial Hospital, Church of the Nazarene. We've only got three hospitals in the world, and one is there, and one is in uh, India, Washam, India, and the other one uh, is in uh, hospital in New Guinea. So here is one of the three. And then I step back in order to get a better picture, because just to the side is the nurses' college, or actually a building and uh, for where the nurses were, and, and they're in training there. And uh, to step into the street, I happened to notice the street sign. And uh, the street sign was Hind Memorial Boulevard, H-Y-N-D. It's a Nazarene doctor. Actually, two. Two Nazarene doctors. They named streets after them over there. I didn't realize they even had a postage stamp with Dr. Hines' picture. That's, uh, that's, that's quite uh, impressive, and that's the Im impact the church has made in that country of Swaziland. And I said, my, my, I've never seen anything like this. And this is great. Well, we got in the car, 
and we headed out to go to the next place. And we came to a place called Pig's Peak. And I've heard of that since I was a little kid. So we stop, stop, stop. We've got to take a picture here. Pig's Peak, Swaziland. And then on to wherever, wherever, wherever. And over those, uh, uh, the golden, rather the green hills, some of it was golden with some green, but uh, there we were in the land that I had heard about, and it was all so imagined in my mind, and now I was there. I want you, I want you to believe me. I don't want to have to say this ten times like I am given to do. Something came back to my mind going over the hills of Swaziland to some other place that I had not thought of for 45 years. Now, now please believe me. I, I hadn't recalled this for at least 45 years. I remember the lady had been the, the missionary, Swaziland, who had come back after many years there and was an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. Her name was Fairy Chisholm. She had so much God on her that she scared me. <laughs> I'm telling you, she was a Jesus lady. And she would stand and preach and, and uh, power and whatever. And I just said, woo-wee, that woman, that woman lives in heaven. <laughs> and I, had, I hadn't been thinking about fairy chism except the fact that that's where she used to live. And maybe that's because, I mean, that's why my mind then brought back the image of her standing here on the right side of the pulpit at Des Moines First Nazarene. I, I saw her in my mind now as she was telling us about back there when the work wasn't going very well. And she said, we have tried to preach to these people. We've tried to teach these people. We've tried to do everything to help these people. And it's not going well. Everything's going wrong. Everything's upside down. And she said, we didn't know what to do. We were exasperated. And I remember her gestures were of, of just, what else can we do? We've tried everything. And it's either help us, Lord, or we're going home. It's that kind of thing. She said, we called for an all-night prayer meeting. And she said, we were in this all-night prayer meeting. And I don't know how many were there, but I kind of got the uh, feeling that there must have been a bunch of people. And they were calling out on God to come and help us. We're just, we're just not, not making it. We're not breaking through. And she said, I want to say it one more time, I had not remembered this. For 45 years, she said, in that prayer meeting, the Lord whispered to her, if you don't like it, sister, change it. And that came back to my mind after seeing that in my, in my memory, from my memory, 45 years before, if you don't like it, sister, change it. Well, I've heard others tell me that another Nazarene missionary went around the country telling that story where the Lord said to her in a prayer meeting, if you don't like it, sister, change it. And that was Louise Robinson Chapman. And I found out they were in the same prayer meeting. <laughs> so they're telling the same story. This is from a generation ago. I want you to know that I had not taken that as a um, uh, as kind of a philosophy of life. I'd forgotten it until I got to Swaziland. But I got to thinking about my life. I got to thinking about my uh, churches that I had pastored. Got to thinking about my ministries here and there. And I said, you know, Lord, I guess that's kind of who I am. It seems now that every place God put me was not in a going, blowing, great church. It was in a church that was in trouble. It was in a church in crisis. I didn't realize that till I got on down the road and I looked back and said, 
Every place I went was a resurrection project. God never told me. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then I can't, don't have time for all these other stories, but this very first church, my very first pastorate was in, a, uh, in, an Iowa, in an Iowa town by the Mississippi River. I'm a little spooked on telling you exactly where because I've learned along the line Nazarenes are related to Nazarenes everywhere. And if I tell a story, I'm talking to somebody's uncle, and I just, it, it, that's actually happened to me, except it happened to be the brother of the guy I told a big tale on. And, and so I'm, but anyway, it's a real town. It's on the Mississippi River, and I was there. And in my first month there, here I'm all young, all charged up, ready to go. Man, we're going to build a great work for God in this place. And, and uh, there, there was a main man in that church. They forgot to teach me that in some churches there's the main man. And he crossed his arms and leaned up against the little old wall in that foyer, little lobby thing, and he's, this is what he said. I hadn't even been there a month yet. He said, well, we're glad you're here, preacher. We're going to give you one year to pull this thing out. If you don't pull her out, we're going to close her down. Praise God. That's enthusiasm. Thank you. Man. And the old boy sat down to watch me try to pull it out. Well, I've got something in me, so bless God. With the help of God, we're going to pull her out, old buddy. But anyway, I didn't know what else to do. So I went and bought a map. And I put the map of that town on my little old office wall. And I got some of our denominational papers, which were called Herald of Holiness. And I'd have a handful, armful, and I'd go up and down the streets, into the, into knocking on doors at the homes. Hello, hello. Hey, Jim Deal's my name. Church of the Nazarene. Sure wish you'd come. God bless you. Nice to meet you. Hey, hey, how are you doing? Hey, Jim Deal's my name. Here's a nice magazine, man. You'll like it. Hey, Church of Fifth and Sycamore. Wish you'd come. Come on, come on. Hey, and, and I'd go back with a magic marker, and I would mark that street off and mark that street off. And I said, if they're going to close this thing down, it's not going to be until I've walked to every house in the town. And there happened to be 20,000 people in the town, and so I had a, a bit of a challenge. I forgot what fairy chism said, but I guess it's part of me. If you don't like it, brother, change it. If you don't like it that nobody much comes, why don't you go out and find somebody? Amen. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, I, I went from church to parsonage, which is right, uh, there's a grassy deal in the middle, and, and the, the church is on the corner, and the parsonage was over right here on the alley. And during Sunday school, one Sunday, I forgot something, ran over there, came back, and I in that day, you could look at the license plate and the first numbers, one or two numbers, dash, they would tell you which county that uh, the car was registered in. And so I just happened to look. I think I'd been there three months at this time. And I happened to look at the first car right there. People were in the church. And it was from Louisa County. That's the county south. And I looked at the next one. And that was from Cedar County. That's the county north. And the next car had a license plate from Illinois. That's right across the bridge, across the river. And the next one was back to Louisa County. And I hit the corner and went up. Every single car parked by the church with people in the church, every car was from another county. It dawned on me. That's why the church won't grow. Nobody from this town goes to this church. I haven't even figured that out yet. <laughs> if you don't like it, brother, change it. So I went out and beat on some more doors. I couldn't believe some people actually started to come. <laughs> they actually walked in the door with license plates on their car from our county. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you young people to get disillusioned. I don't want anybody else to get disillusioned. But not everything in life, not everything in church, not everything in ministry is glory, hallelujah. <laughs> And I'm not making this up. I, it would be wrong to do that. After we started getting some new people from some of the places where I'd been knocking on doors, the main man leaned up against the wall, crossed his arms like this, and this is what he said. How could I ever forget? 
I appreciate your enthusiasm, preacher, but you're bringing in the wrong kind. Oh, man. I thought everybody had a soul. I didn't know you had to drive a Cadillac to get to heaven. I guess I'm not going to heaven. I don't have one. But anyway, uh, he almost destroyed me that day. And all I wanted to do was quit and say, man, if that's it and if that's you and if that's this church, y'all can have the church. I'm going somewhere else. And I said, Lord, I'm leaving the place. And I was hanging over the altar praying all by myself that next week all alone. And the Lord whispered to me, I didn't call you here to leave. I called you here to change the place with the help of God. Get going. Go down another street. Go knock on some more doors. You're not serving the main man. By the way, (laughs) some churches have the main woman. (laughs) And actually... I've got a main woman story that's better, but it doesn't fit right here. But I'll try to tell you that some other day, some other place. I'll get to that some other time. If you don't like it, brother, sister, change it. Um, Do you know that's in the Bible? It's in the Bible. You would have to read an account and then say that's what really happened. It's in Philippians. And Philippians, I used to refer to them when I was a young, younger preacher. I would say, let's turn to the book of Philippians. Well, I, I, I need to help, help me know, help everybody know it's not a book. Philippians is a letter. It's a letter from Paul, the leader of the church, to the church in Philippi. Uh, it'd be like um, a, a great leader of the Christian movement writing a letter to the church in Wollaston or to the college in Quincy, E-N-C. This is to the Christians in Philippi. And here's Paul. Now, you need to know this because otherwise it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You need to know Paul, the leader of the church at that time, had been in prison not because he was a criminal, But because he was the leader of the church of Jesus Christ, he had been in prison in chains for two years. You really have to know that or this doesn't really have the impact that it should. He should have been out on another missionary journey. He should have been out preaching to another bunch of people somewhere. He was in prison, chained. He talks about his chains Two years, not two nights. Well, that doesn't help matters any. Listen to what he said. Chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me, he's talking about his prison because he'll get to it in a second, have actually turned for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all of the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now, what are you talking about here? I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that me being in this prison for these several years has not hindered the gospel at all. It's actually furthered the kingdom. Well, how could that be, Paul? Well, now I have to use my imagination a little. He talked about the whole palace guard. They have all found out about Jesus. Well, how did that happen? Here's the way I've got it figured, and if you can do it differently, it's okay. He was in some kind of a prison cell or whatever it was. They didn't have 15 guards at a time. I've got it figured out. They had about two, maybe one, but let's just say two. They, they, they couldn't go day and night. You have to sleep. So let's just say they had a day shift and a night shift. I think that's fairly reasonable. I can hear Paul saying to the two guards coming in in the morning, Hey, boys, (laughs) I'm not going anywhere today. 
I happen to have a chain from my ankle to the ground, and I can't get out of here. But I've been here long enough to see you guys aren't leaving either until the sun goes down. So sit down. I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and I'm telling you all day. And thank, you, thank God you can't get out of here. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? To preach all day? Well, I'm not starting tonight. Well, thank the Lord for that. I can see those boys leaving. I can see two coming in for the night shift. I can hear Paul and the boys. <laughs> I'm not going to get out of here tonight. I can't. I'm chained down. But you can't either till the sun comes up. Sit down over there. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You think I'm in chains. I have been set free. You boys are in chains. You boys are all tied up. Let me tell you how Jesus can set you free. And he went to work on them. And he said in, in the book, which is the Bible, which he was writing to Philipp, the, the church in Philippi, every single guard in the palace system has found out about Jesus because I was in chains. And it furthered the gospel, which tells me many of those guards were becoming Christians or it wouldn't have furthered the kingdom. I will believe until the day I get to heaven and I can verify some of these things. I will believe those guards took Jesus to Rome a whole lot sooner than Paul. Because when Paul finally got to Rome, the church was already there. And so the guards were going on taking Jesus. What do you, what's the point? If you don't like it in prison, Paul, why don't you just get the guards saved? Amen. Why don't you just lead them to the Lord? If you don't like it here, well, why don't you just, why don't you just turn it into a, into kind of a church relationship and, and, and see people transformed? I want to tell you tonight, I want to tell you here, Young people, older people, middle-aged people, all of us. If there are things going on in your life and you don't like it and you're griping about it and you're upset about it, well, with the help of God, why don't you change it? With the help of God, quit griping about it. Change it. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, there would be so many ways, but... I've noticed some people as pastor, they always come to board meetings, they always come to church, they always come to everything 10 minutes late, 10 minutes late. I don't know why it is, but I'm always 10 minutes late. Well, if you don't like it, why don't you leave the house 10 minutes earlier? Amen. Oh, I don't like my weight. Oh, I'm overweight. Oh. <laughs> well, change it then. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, I, <laughs> uh, I happen to be, uh, I'm trying to think of who your district superintendent is uh, so that you know if he's uh, nice and slim or whatever the case is. I can't remember. But anyway, I was a district superintendent for 10 years. And man, too many churches, too many potlucks, too, uh, too, too many uh, going out to eat, to eat, 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 talk, 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 eat, talk, eat, talk, eat, talk. And God bless you, amen. What else do you have to eat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying more than I ought to say. And one day I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw about me. And I said, I said to myself, I refuse to become a big preacher. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And so I've become, I'm being a little bit too vulnerable with you tonight. But I used to have my bowl of ice cream at night when I watched the 10 o'clock news. I think it's 11 o'clock here. And I'd have a bowl of ice cream and I'd put nuts on top and drizzle just a little bit of chocolate over there and eat ice cream, watch the news. Praise God, that'll do you good. <laughs> but I was getting too big. I had to, I don't want you to hear me say I gave up ice cream. I gave it up at 10 o'clock every night. And, and, and I had to quit doing that. And I had to quit uh, taking uh, uh, extra helpings. And we have four kids. And if they didn't cl clean up the plate, you know, I bought those groceries. Give them to me. I'll eat the thing. <laughs> My wife was 
Dorothy would say, <laughs> I would say, I'm not going to let that go to waste. She said, well, then it'll go to your waste. <laughs> well, that's what was going on. And so I had to quit cleaning up the kids' plates. <laughs> quit having my 10 o'clock every night wonderful bowl of ice cream. And, and none of that's wrong, sinful. I just didn't want to become bigger and bigger, and I wanted to get where I felt like I was at least uh, in proper uh, shape. If you don't like it, change it with the help of God. Doesn't that make sense? If you don't like it, change it. If you don't like it, well, I'm going to use a word that I don't mean. <laughs> Quit cursing the situation, and with the help of God, change it. I don't want you to curse anyway, but... You know what I'm saying. That can be applied a hundred times around. Something just clicked in my mind. Don't leave the main man leaning up saying what he just said. I, uh, I, don't, I don't want to leave you with that Im image. After a year and a half of newer people coming and finding the Lord and becoming alive for Christ and the church started to become alive for Christ the main man the main man came to me in the same little old lobby area he always crossed his arms when he talked so that was just him and he said in his quiet manner I believe the church is going to go I believe it's honestly wife and I've been talking about it we're ready to sell the farm anyway we're going to sell the farm. We're moving to town. I want to go calling with you. And the man became my buddy. I should. I need to tell you that. Thank you, Jesus. But um, that all stories don't turn out like that. <laughs> if you don't like it, change it. If you don't like it, change it. If you don't like it in jail, Paul, get the... Uh, get the jailer saved. Get the guard saved. Well, I brought a silver, do silver dollar tonight that I have in my briefcase. And I want you to know what you already know. There are two sides to every coin. There are two sides to nearly every truth. And on this side, tonight, it says, if you don't like it, change it. From Philippians, get the guards saved and turn them loose and send them back to Rome with Jesus. But there is another side of the coin. There is a truth that is opposite of this. And I want to give that to you before we leave because that, that's only half of it tonight. Ultimately, I left that church, and ultimately I moved to another church as pastor with our, my wife, Dorothy, and, and, and the kids. I got into a church that I thought was bigger. I, I was told. Well, the day we were unloading the furniture, the guy from the church said, they've told you now about the church, haven't they? And I said, well, I guess. What are you trying to tell me? Well, have they told you we've had a split? I said, a what? A split. I said, what do you mean? Well, you don't have a pianist, and you don't have a song director, and you don't have a couple of Sunday school teachers. And he named off everybody that had quit in a church split. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just put the stuff back in the U-Haul. I'm going back where I was. But you can't do that. And got to the church. <laughs> Don't have time to tell you all about it, but it, oh man, it was not what I thought. And in that church, and you don't know where it is, and you'll never know, at least from me, where it was. <laughs> Ooh, there were seven adults that thought they owned that church. And I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be improper here, but. They'd tell this young preacher what I could and couldn't do. That's all I can ever remember. And oh, man, Lord, get me out of here. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, they'd, they'd get a, the, the, the Chicago 7. Those 
boys from Chicago moved to Iowa. <laughs> and there they were. Oh, except they were some women and men. And they owned that thing. And so I did what I had done before. Well, if you don't like it, change it. And so uh, I'd go have coffee with them and try to make friends with them. And, and they were nice until I didn't do what they told me to do. And, oh, oh, oh. It, was get, it was worse than that. And, and it, I, I'm... I, I, I'm 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 afraid to tell you. I, I'm afraid if you won't if you if you won't put this on tape or put it in print. I I'm pacing because I would go to that church. I would lock two doors, the front door and the back door. It's only two doors we had, and I'd go down the basement. And there was one hallway in the basement, and I'd pace just like this. And nobody would be in the church, and I'd be praying out loud. Oh God, oh God, this church this church is locked up. It is locked up tight. I mean, we got seven folks think they own this place. And, Lord, they've got an attitude like the devil. And, Lord, it's just terrible. And I said, Lord, a couple of good funerals would set this church free. <laughs> now, now, don't quote me. Don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. But I was desperate. I'm, I was desperate, folks. And I would say, Lord, now make sure you get the right ones. Now make sure. Now don't, now, now don't hold that against me. But I was desperate. <laughs> Woo, glory. And they had given, they told me what could or couldn't happen. Well, I guess it won't make any sense unless I just tell you as quickly as I can. We had a, we had a choir, and it, I don't know how, 15, 18 in the choir, whatever. And the choir director was one of our wonderful ladies who don't tell me that she was ignorant because she wasn't. She was a high school graduate. She was a college graduate. She had her master's degree, working on a further degree. She was the principal of a school. She was highly educated, and she was wonderful, except she had a little bit of a problem. Every once in a while, when the thing got going, she'd get happy, and she'd have a little hanky, and she'd say, Ooh, glory. Well, I thought that's pretty neat. Sure beats some other stuff I've seen. And I, she, but her voice was real high. Whoo! I can't get any higher than that. <laughs> I can't, can't, won't go up there. Whoo! Glory! Well, I thought that. Praise God! I mean, there's a little life around here. And the, and the seven met me. Now, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating the lick. Shut her up, preacher. We're not having any more of this woo-woo-woo in church. You can't even believe that. And I said, oh, Lord. I went back to the basement. <laughs> oh, Lord. Help us Sunday. Give us a great day. But, Lord, keep her quiet. Keep her quiet. We can't lose seven, seven more adults around here. And, Lord, just bless her, but just not to, not to get too happy. Well, it worked for six weeks. And then we had a revival. Oh, man. And she wasn't leading the singing, so I felt easy. But she was in the choir. And it was Sunday night. And some of you old-timers will remember a Nazarene song evangelist named Jim Green and his wife, uh, Rosemary. And she was playing the organ, and Jim was leading the choir, and the old boy got happy. And he started down, and he was leading the choir with one hand, shaking hands with people with the other. Leading the choir and shaking hands. Well, nothing wrong with that. We were just having a great time. Everybody was happy. He was happy. You know exactly what happened. Here she came out of the choir. Oh, glory. I said, oh, man. And uh, we had uh, chairs up here where uh, I sat and another one or so sat. I t I'm telling you, it was a cold Sunday night in Iowa. Seven adults got up and glared at me and you can talk through your eyes and they said to me through their eyes we told you and seven adults walked out and slammed the door and left and never came back and I didn't know what to do and I went down on my knees by this chair I was on my knees weeping and I said Lord we just lost the church they just walked out and Lord, listen, she's still going, ooh. And I don't know where Jim Green is. He's probably in the basement by now leading the music. Uh, you know, I hope you don't think we're too nutty in Iowa, but we were having a good time that night. and The church was absolutely full. 
And after four or five minutes of crying in the chair, the Lord seemed to whisper to me, say, why don't you turn around and see what's going on? And people were coming to the altar and praying that I had never seen come to pray about anything. That's why she kept saying, woo here comes another one. Woo-hoo, glory, here comes another one. <laughs> and and uh, we had more people at the altars than I had ever seen. And I th- thought, well, maybe I ought to go pray with them. It might not be a bad idea. I want you to know that God taught me the second truth, the other side of a coin in that whole situation. Number one, if you don't like it, change it. On the other side, if you can't change it, commit it to Christ. Amen. Give it to Jesus. If you can't change it, commit it to Christ. I committed those seven people to Jesus. And I don't have any story of how they all came back because they didn't. But I will tell you, God is bigger than seven people. Praise God. That church was just like they'd been set free. And that church grew. And I I just will tell you, we were running between 50 and 60 at that time. And then we went to 70, 80, 90, 100, 10, 20. We ended up with 120 on the yearly average. And it was uh, one of the joys of my life. And God taught me one more time, if you can't change it, commit it to Christ. I'm bigger than whatever that is. I want you to know tonight, some of you are dealing with situations, young people, adults, moms, dads, mom and dads, grandparents, maybe college uh, uh, staff, some situations that are eating on your heart. Sometimes the more you do, the worse it gets. Maybe some have children that have gone on the wrong track and maybe these children are adults and the more you try to tell them the more they resent it I'm telling you about all you can do is commit them to Christ commit them to Christ commit them to Christ Jesus can do more than you can do anyway um I am very aware, I am very aware, because of some heartache in our family, I'm very aware that a whole lot of people have had abuse in their past, including sexual abuse in their past. You can't change it, but you can commit it to Christ. You can commit it to Christ. I don't have time to get into that tonight. I might some other day. I don't know. But I want you to know Jesus can heal you of anything in the past. Amen. It may take a process, but Jesus is bigger than the past. Amen. Jesus can heal you. And, uh, oh, I... Some other day I'll I'll tell you the story that's very close to my heart in in that particular regard. There may be some that uh, somebody did you wrong. And it was either either at home or it could have been at a church or it could have been at work. It could have been part of the family and they did you wrong. And it's wrong, preacher. I'm talking about me now as they would come in. It's wrong, preacher. They... He walked out on me and left me alone with the kids and left. I don't have any money. It's wrong. The man left. It's wrong. It will always be wrong. But if you don't give all that mess to God, you're going to be as hateful as the man that you resent right now. Give it to God. Give him. Give her. Amen? This is not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. We have to give them to God. 
give them to God. Do you know <laughs> God can do what you can't do? You say, well, is that in the Bible? It just happens to be the next verse. Let me read it, and then we're going to wind up at verse 15, still Philippians, chapter 1. Paul, same prison, some indeed preach Christ, some outside of the prison are preaching Christ from selfish ambition. Well, their, their motives aren't even right. Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But some are preaching out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? What can I do about it? I'm responsible for the churches. I am the, uh, uh, I am the one. After Peter, it was Paul. and I need to get out and either remove some pastors or discipline them or something. What can I do? I can't get out of here. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And in this I will rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. There are some preachers out there with wrong hearts, wrong motives. I give them to Jesus. And I'm going to rejoice that God's big enough to take care of it. Amen. That's what it says. If you can't change it, commit it to Christ. Commit it to Christ. I, I do need to tell you one more thing before I close tonight because I did say none of the seven ever came back and that is absolutely true. But now if you could jump with me about, um, oh, 15, 16 years, something like that, from that situation. 15 years, I don't remember. I'd have to stop and cal calculate. But anyway, it's, it was a while. I had taken another responsibility and had served there, and then I took another responsibility after those years and went halfway across America. Some of you would have an idea where I was, but it was a long ways from the Middle West and Pastor First Nazarene Church in some certain, certain great city in America. And uh, none of us really wanted to go there, but felt God said, I need you there. And our, we actually had two of our kids in college at that time, so the other two were with us. We drove to this city. We went to this church on the first Sunday. Our kids uh, in high school said, Dad, I, I don't even want to, I, I don't know any young people here. I, I don't want to have to go through all this again. I said, smile. We're going into a new church, and you're the preacher's kid. Now smile. You're happy. You remember? You're happy. <laughs> They didn't remember that. We walked across the parking lot. How could I ever forget? They had glass doors to that church. We opened the glass doors, and they had organized everybody in church be here when the new preacher and his family walk in, and we're going to give them a big applause. And at that rather early hour, I don't know how many were there, but there was a bunch. All these people. And that was a little overwhelming, and it was wonderful. And I looked. Uh, this is the first time we'd ever been there. A as a church service, I'd been there to meet the board. And two out of the seven were standing there. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not, not doing this again. I don't know what happened to my face, but I'm not... I'm not uh, as I say, they were like them. It, they were the two of the seven. I said, oh. And they came at me. The last I saw was this. They came at me that morning like this. I came at Dorothy and I, and they hugged on both of us. And I want to tell you what they whispered in our ears. We were so wrong. We did wrong back there. We have wept about that. We've asked God to forgive us for that. We have moved twice. I have been transferred now to this big city. We go to this church, and we heard they might call you. We voted for you. They, vote, they said in my ear, we want to do it right. 
this time. And we cried and hugged. We hadn't even made it to the sanctuary yet. Only God can do that. Only God. I can't do that. So commit him to Christ. And God, in 15 years, brought them back. Different church. They were our sheep again. And were blessed friends. I want to close tonight by telling you, if you need to come and pray about something that's just bothering you in your life and you need to change it with the help of God, why don't you come and let God give you the courage to change it? But I have the feeling here tonight that there are more of us on this side. I can't change it. The worse, Lord, the more I try, the worse it gets. Would you come and commit it to Christ? And maybe you have before, but there's something about coming anew saying, Lord, I'm not going to let my boy be lost to the devil. Lord, I commit him to Jesus or my girl or my mom or dad or that mess or that abuse or whatever else. Lord, I'm going to give it to God tonight and I let you have it. Amen. Hey, would you all stand right now and Jasper, will you come, please? Jesus, Jesus, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful service. But Lord, I felt like you wanted us to talk about two sides of the coin. If you don't like it, change it. But if you can't change it, commit it to Christ. From Paul in a prison to the Philippian Christians. Lord, give us courage tonight step out and say man I've, I love God and I'm trying to serve the Lord but I've got some stuff that's just about to steal my joy it's about to steal my peace come and give it to God come and let go come and let God have it it might even be your boss it might be your principal it might be somebody that's in authority over you in some manner Give them to God. Give them to God. Will you come? If you will, others will take courage and they'll come and others will come. God wants to set us free tonight. Would you come right now? Jasper sings whatever he sings. Would you just oh, to Jesus, I surrender to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
I think we need some others of you that are that know them or uh, want to get in close and pray with them. You come, and you can come on the front side of the altar. You can come on the back side of the altar. We've got a bunch of kids. I think some are praying double deep here. But come on in, get in here, and oh, God bless you. Sing again, but we're going to come in and pray. <laughs> God bless them, Lord. Touch them, Jesus. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
just sing that one more time.
one last time, just the voices. I'll say yes, Lord. Whatever you want. I'll say yes to your will, to your will, Lord. I'll say yes where you lead me, where you go, I will go, I'll say yes, I'll say yes, Lord, I'll say yes, I'll say yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence, your work, spirit in this place. As Paul prayed earlier in that powerful letter to the church at Philippi, this is my prayer for you. That your love may grow more and more with knowledge and depth of insight so that you might be able to determine what is best to the glory and praise of God. So this week, may we be seekers after not what's just good, but what's best. And we'll say yes. Thank you for meeting and continuing to meet with us and I pray for conversations that will take place even yet tonight and maybe tomorrow and the days to come. For those things, Lord, that don't have a complete resolution, we just commit them to you. Just commit them to you, knowing that you do all things well. We love you and we give you thanks and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here.